Would you stand with me for the reading of the word today? Just before Pastor comes to share his message, we are going to look in the book of Matthew, chapter 1, starting at verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But he considered these things. Behold, but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for the gift that we have found in Jesus Christ. We thank you that he is our Savior, that he is the Savior of the world, and we pray, God, that you would help us to always be mindful of that, not just in this time, this holiday time, when awareness is high, but, God, that we would walk through each day of our lives recognizing and living in such a way as to state that Jesus is our Savior. We pray your blessing on the message today. We pray your, pray your blessing on every part of the service that remains, and pray that you would go with us as we celebrate the birth of your son this day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, Merry Christmas. Now, is that just uh, something we say because it's uh, that time of year? Or, or do we mean merry, joyful, happy? We look at this time of season, do we feel that? Do we sense that? Do we mean that when we think about Christmas and what Christmas really means. Over the last several weeks, we've talked about why Christmas matters. And when you really look deep into the, the meaning of Christmas and what happened at Christmas, there is a lot of reason to be happy. You know, we talked a couple of weeks ago even about the genealogy of, of Christ and uh, what, all of that, uh, what all of that means to us. And how God responds to us, and we see it through, uh, we see that through the genealogy of Jesus. And that gives us something to be happy about because we see how God is going to be patient with us, and how He's going to love us, and how He's going to care for us. We looked a couple of weeks ago at how He is a God with us, and we know that God is with us, and He's going to be with us always. Wherever we go, whatever we, whatever we do, he is there with us, and he's going to be with us. And so we can rejoice in the fact that he is always there every day. We looked at Jesus being the light of the world, this basic metaphor that reveals to us that he is showing us what's right and what's wrong. He's showing us how to live our life. He's showing us what is important. And we can rejoice that there is a a standard righteous way for us to live. So we've looked at all of these things. And all of these things give us reason to be merry at Christmas. Reason to be merry all year long. Reason to celebrate, to have a party, and literally, listen, to cast off despair 
No matter how tough things may be for you today, there is purpose to our life. There is reason for our life. And so we can cast off those things and rejoice that 2,000 years ago a baby was born, sent from heaven to make a tremendous difference in our life. Today we come to the most basic and fundamental need that we have. That this baby, this Christ, this Jesus, who lived 2,000 years ago, came to save the world from sin. Did you know sin is deadly? Sin destroys relationships. Sin destroys our peace. Sin destroys our health. Sin destroys our eternity. And Jesus came because we need a Savior. Let me make that really as clear as I can. I need a Savior. I can't fix this on my own. Let me make it really, really clear. You need a Savior. You need someone to rescue you. Today, many people don't have that sense that they need a Savior. They think, you know, I'm okay, you're okay, uh, we're all okay, everybody's going to you know, be okay. And they don't have this absolute sense that we are corrupt in our being and that we need rescued from what we are. And yet clearly the Bible teaches us that Jesus came to save us, to rescue us from a circumstance that we could never free ourselves from ourselves. Paul writes about it to the Romans. In Romans chapter 3 it says this, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. How do we receive it? By faith. This was to show God's righteousness because his divine forbearance, he has passed over former sins. In other words, he's been patient with us. He's overlooked our sins for a time so that Jesus could come. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus the, the most famous part of this passage, the most well-known segment of these passages is verse 23. Verse 23 says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, if you're a, a theologian, you want to dig deep into that scripture, you want to really look and see what it means, uh, the first thing you look at is this word all. Do you know what all means in the Greek? It means everybody. It means all of us. It means everyone in this room, that none of us are outside of this. We are all included. The best of us to the worst of us, we've all sinned. We've all done those things that are wrong. Everyone. To sin, say, what does sin mean? Sin simply means, really at the simplest, most basic, fundamental point, 
Sin means that we've lived life our way instead of God's way. We've done what seems right in our own eyes. We've done what feels right to us. We've lived life without the direction of God. We've tried to figure it out ourselves, to have done things that are right in our own eyes instead of God's eyes. And, and, and here's the problem with that. We can live that way and feel fully justified. We can live that way and feel like we have a right to live that way or that we are, listen, we can live that way and think we're doing the right thing, we're living the right way, when we're actually living a way that is separate from what God would have us to live. We can bask in our own self-righteousness all the while sin is working in us like a, a deadly disease. See, how, how do we know then? What is the key? Well, the Bible gives it to us very clearly. It, the key to understanding what is righteous and what is true is the Word. We see and we hear the Word, and when we see and we hear the Word, and we begin to match our life and our actions up next to the Word of God, we begin to discover that things that we thought were right are actually wrong and things that we thought were wrong are actually right and we've done things the wrong way and we failed in many ways. We've sinned. We've done life our own way. We've all sinned. Now, again, here, here's the, the catch point. The catch point is we begin to think, uh, okay, well, I've sinned, but my sins aren't too bad. You know, my sins aren't that bad. You know, my, my actions aren't, you know, as bad as somebody. I mean, I mean, come on, you know, Pastor. I mean, uh, you know, I've never murdered anybody. I hate a few people. There's a few people I don't like really a lot. I hate them, but I've never murdered anybody. You know, hey, you know Pastor, listen, you know, I, I don't get drunk every weekend. You know, every now and then, but not every weekend. I don't get drunk. I, I don't do that. I, you know, I... I've never stolen a, a, a large amounts of money from anybody that's really hurting by it. Now, I've stolen a little bit of money from my parents. You know, but you know, their money's my money anyway, so it's all okay. Others have lived immorally with many people. I only lived immorally before I got married. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. Others use foul language all, all the time. Me, I only use it when I get mad. You know, I, I, know I, I know you're supposed to be generous, and people who have a lot need to be, but God knows I need everything that I have. And we justify ourselves. We kind of write ourselves up as being good enough. When what the Bible's telling us is that none of us are good, that we've all sinned. When it comes down to the black and white of it, We've all committed acts that are against the will of God, and God calls that sin that separates us from him. And if you sit here today and you say, well, I haven't done anything all that bad. I haven't messed up all that much. Let me remind you what, what John writes to us in 1 John. He says, if we say we have not sinned, we make him, out, we, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. See, there it is, his word. His word is the standard. His word reveals to us that we sinned. His word shows us the places where we've gone our way 
instead of his way. And I would remind you again today that sin is, sin is de deadly. It is deadly here on this earth. It destroys relationships. It hurts people. It hurts others. It destroys your health. And it's deadly for eternity. So here is the caution. If you think you've not sinned, the reason you think you've not sinned is because you've been looking at other people. If you think you're okay on your own, that's because you've been looking at other people. And all you're doing is looking at a bunch of other people who are sinners also. What you've got to look at is the Word. And the Word tells us that all of us, I'm not taking myself out of that boat. I know I'm right in the middle of it. We are all sinners in need of salvation. And so we find that as we have the Word in us. Sin in us destroys us. Sin is deadly. Even if we think we're not that bad, we've just, what we've seen is we've just seen kind of that first sign of the disease working its way out in our life. Have you ever seen your sin? Have you ever recognized sin working its way out in your life? The nature in you working its way out. You know, maybe it's in a lie. Kind of working its way out. Maybe it's in selfishness. Maybe it's in judgment, harsh judgment of other people and feeling you're better than them. Sin working its way out in you. Lust after someone or something. Sin working its way out of you. Greed. Sin working its way into your life. Because, see, it's down inside of us, and it's working its way out. You know, sin is like a dandelion in the yard. You come up one spring morning, and you walk outside, and you've got this beautiful lawn, and there's this dandelion popping up. And you go over and say, well, that's just one dandelion. And you pull it out, and you come out the next day, and there's five more. You pull them out, and you come out the next day, and there's 15 more. And no matter how much you want before long, you've got a yard full of dandelions. Because, see, it's not just the one dandelion that's the problem. It's that in the nature of the ground, the dandelions is down in there. You've got to treat that whole thing if you're going to get rid of the dandelions. Something's got to be changed. And that's what sin is like in us. It kind of works its way out and it shows itself. And we think, oh, that's not too bad. I'll just pull that one or deal with that one. And then we, then we look around a few days later. There's a few more things popping up. And we try to deal with them and control them. But, friend, the problem is it's in our nature. It's in who we are. It's in what we are is that this, that this sin nature is in. We've, we've all had the dandelion in the yard. We've all had the sin in our life. You see, it's, it's not only that we have sinned in a measure. It's not only that one dandelion has shown up. It's not only that we've done one thing. It's that we have this sin nature. It's who we are. We've been separated from God, and we've got this nature. And the, but the, here's the good news. Here's why Christmas should be Merry Christmas. Here's why we should be happy at Christmas. Because the good news of Christmas and why Christmas matters is because of that sin nature, Jesus came to save us from that. He is the, when we apply him to our life, it doesn't, he doesn't just deal with the one dandelion. He deals with all of them. He begins to heal us at a very spiritual nature uh, and transform us and make us into new creatures. Now, this scripture that's so, that's so famous, 
it says that all have sinned. And then it goes on and it says, and have fallen short of the glory of God. So we all have this sin nature, and Jesus comes to heal us of it, and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. What, what does that mean, that the glory of God? L listen, I want you to catch this. All of God's creation is supposed to reflect his glory. Now, okay, <laughs> Pastor, what does that mean? All of his creation is supposed to reveal to everyone that sees all the angels in the universe and all the people on this earth are supposed to look at nature, the creation of God, and in looking at it, see the wisdom of God. Wow. We're supposed to be able to look and say, I couldn't do that. Nobody else could do that. That took God to do that. Just the irreducible complexity of the molecular, of our molecular makeup that is so interdependent on each other to exist speaks to us that there has to be a divine creator, someone who put everything in place. And the things that we look at in the universe that we live in should cry out to us, wow, whoever did that's pretty awesome. The wisdom of what, of what it took, the power that a being has that speaks and stars come into existence of different sizes and different shapes, just these huge, massive stars out in the universe and galaxies so far away that our minds can't even comprehend the distance. Our minds can't even fully grasp the size of it all, and it's all held in place by a creator that makes us realize when we see the vastness of the universe, how can I, I can't comprehend the universe let alone comprehend the one who creates the universe and calls every star by name. The Bible says he's named every one of them. He knows them by name. They reflect his glory. They reflect his creativity. Who could have thought, I mean, who thinks of all of this stuff? He, 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 it shows his creativity. It shows his grace and his, and his ability. When we look at creation, we're supposed to see all of this around us naturally and say, wow, God is really awesome. And he puts that picture in front of us just about every place we look. Every place we look, we see this creativity of God. I mean, in, in something as simple as the flowers, now, I've, I've, I've never been a great flower admirer because they make me sneeze most of the time. But flowers are beautiful. You ever look at flowers? I mean, you look at, you know, the petals on a flower and how they, they grow and, you know, how beautiful they are, how delicate they are, and yet how beautiful they are and the different colors of the flowers and the different, the different types of flowers and all the different things that this nature, the nature around us is made up of. And what you see in that is the creativity of God. Just like when we walk down, you know, the street and we look at different people with, you know, different shapes and different forms and different hair colors and different eye colors and, and we see the creativity of God. 
The flowers of the field reveal to us God's creativity, his power, his wisdom to be able to make these things come into existence for them to live. We see the creativity of God. And they all, all of that is, is a reflection of God's glory. It's a reflection of his wisdom, of his power, of his creativity, of his strength, of his will. All of this stuff shows us, wow, God, God's created the flowers. He's created the trees. He's created the oceans. He created the fish in the oceans. He's created the people that walk on the earth. He creates all the, all the, the different animals. Wow. He creates the stars. He creates the planets. He creates. God is mind-blowing because all these things reflect the glory of God. And yet Paul writes this to us, and he says to us, we've all sinned, and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. What does that mean? It means that the wisdom of God that we're supposed to live out through our lives, we're not living it out. It means the nature of God that was supposed to be in us and supposed to be reflected in the way we treat each other and respond to each other. It's not being lived out. It means all the power of God and all the creativity of God and all the relationships that we're supposed to have, they're flawed. We live in a world that falls short of the glory of God. And we're at the core of the problem. Wisdom, power, love, and His grace. At our best, at our very best, we're like an apple that sits in a fruit bowl that really looks good until you pick it up and discover that it's soft and rotten. Till you really examine it deeply. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God because he is not living in us for his spirit to work his way out in our lives. So what do you do with the rotten apple? Do you go ahead and eat it? <laughs> you toss it aside. That's who we are. And it's in that moment, in that condition, that God sends his son into the world to seek and to save the lost. It's in that place that he comes into this world to save us, to rescue us, to redeem us, and to restore us. He comes to make us new creatures, to fill us with his glory so that once again we can be people free from the sin nature and people that now reflect the glory of God, because his presence is alive within us. To do us a, a work at a spiritually molecular level in our spirits so that instead of us being what we were without him, we become what we are with him. And we begin to fulfill what he created us to fulfill. The best of us have sinned. The best of us have this deadly disease within us. The best of us have fallen short of the glory of God. The best of us cannot fix ourselves. That's why Christmas matters. Because where we couldn't fix ourselves, Jesus comes to fix us. To make us whole. It is into this that Jesus comes with the high purpose to save his people from their sin. And here's his promise. 
that anyone, everyone, all people, anyone who calls on his name will be saved. It's not for the rich. It's not just for the poor. It's not just for those who have a life of ease or those who have a life of trouble. It's not just for those who are born in this country or of this race or this gender. It's everyone who calls on his name can be saved. And friend, I want to say this as clearly, as clearly as I can tell you today. I need saved. I need the grace of God in my life. And I want to tell you this as clearly as I can to you. You need saved. You need rescued by Jesus. If you don't, you will continue to walk in a sin nature that will hurt people around you, that will bring destruction into your own life, bring destruction into others' lives, and will separate you from God for all eternity. But we can rejoice today because in our need for salvation, Christmas time reminds us that a baby came from heaven to rescue us from our sin. But let us not be, let us not be a people who, who walk into that simply. Let us be a people who walk into that intentfully. Understand that we need the fullness of God in our life and that we live in a world that will pull us away from that fullness of God. The birth of Christ should be of the grandest of celebrations because at the core of it all, our greatest need is to be saved. Our greatest need is to be born again. Our greatest need is to get a new nature alive in us. And whether we fool ourselves and think, oh, I'm pretty good, or God doesn't really care, I'm not even sure he's there. Whatever you say in your mind to dismiss all of that, you're just missing what the world reflects to us today. The world reflects to us today the need of mankind being saved. We're messing it up, folks. And we mess it up again and again and again. We mess it up, we look at our politicians and we look at governments and we say, what a mess that they are and they should straighten it up. And what, boy, we, we could fit. And then we look inside of our own homes and we don't realize we're messing it up too. Then we look, deep, then we miss it, look deep in our own life. We look at our kids or our, or our spouses and go, oh, they're messing it up. And we miss the fact that we're messing it up. That we need help. That it's me that needs help and that I can't fix myself. But thank God, Jesus came. His son came. So that anyone who would seriously look at themselves and say, you know what, this world's in a mess because of sin, but ultimately I'm a mess because of sin. And I'm going to cry out to God, Jesus came so that person can be saved. For that today, friend, we should walk out these doors rejoicing. You may be going through loss today. You may be going through heartache today. It may be the best time of your life right now. Either way, we should all walk out this door rejoicing today because in whatever circumstance that we face today, Christmas is alive. Jesus is alive. He has come into this earth to save us and to rescue us, and we can count on him. It should be the grandest of celebrations. Let's stand together today. Give the Lord a clap offering, would you, and thank him for what he's done for you.
Every head bowed, every eye closed. Just a moment. Things say, Pastor, uh, I have no doubt in my mind and my heart there came a day, there came a point in my life when I knew I was a sinner, when I knew I was doing life my way and not God's way and that that wasn't a good thing. When I knew that as a creation of God, I knew I'd fallen short of his glory if I stood before him. I knew I'd be lost for eternity. And I heard the message that Jesus had come. And I heard the message that I could put my faith in him. And his grace would be given to my life. I heard all of that. And I received Jesus as my Savior. And today my faith is in him to be my Savior. And my trust is in him to be my Lord. And I'm letting him change me into the creature he means me to be so I can reflect his glory. If you stand here today and say, Pastor, that's me, I've done that. This is a testimony. Just lift your hand to the Lord and say, that's me. I have made that change. I've asked Christ into my life and he is my Lord. Say, raise your hand right now, real high. Don't hesitate for a second. That's you. All right. Thank you. In this moment, we asked you to raise your hand, but maybe you couldn't. You didn't raise your hand because you know you, you haven't done that. Who wants to tell you Christmas matters in your life? Christmas says that we're sinners, and Christmas says that Jesus is the answer to our sin. Christmas says there is eternal life, and Christmas says that Jesus is the way to that eternal life. And we come down to this most important decision of all life. What are we going to do with this one who was born 2,000 years ago? You say, Pastor, today, I want to I go into this Christmas season having accepted Jesus as my Savior, put my faith in Him to be my Savior, and accepted Him to be the Lord of my life. I want to take that step of faith today. If that's you, just raise your hand. Raise your hand right now and just say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to receive this gift of God in my life today. No one else is looking around. It's just you and me and the Lord. God bless you. Others today, you'll raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. God bless you. I see that hand. The Lord sees it in that hand in the back. God bless you. Anyone else that you'll raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. Pray for me. Waiting just another second. Anyone else? Most important decision. Just say, pray for me. Father, you see all the hands that have been raised, those who testify to your grace in their life. and Father, those who uh, have raised their hand because they want to receive you in their life today and be certain of their salvation today, we pray you do a fullness of work in every one of our lives for your glory. Let us be a people who truly live to show the world your glory through our lives. Help us in that, we pray. and Guide us in that serious endeavor every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, folks, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a moment, and we're going to pray a prayer together. Every Christian, I'm going to ask you to pray this with me. But today, especially if you raise your hand because you want to take that step of faith and follow Christ today. 
Or even if you didn't raise your hand and you're standing here going, I need to pray. I need to get right with God. I want to invite you to pray this prayer with us and invite God, invite Christ into your life today. So just join a hand with somebody standing next to you. And let's all pray this together. For we believe that everybody who calls on his name will be saved. Let's all pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I put faith in Jesus to be the Savior of my soul. I put my trust in Jesus to be the Lord of my life. And I ask you to help me to live for him who died for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen? We love you. God loves you. Thankfully, Jesus came for every one of us, so we should rejoice. Amen? Amen. God bless you.